0: Welcome to the Engineer Soft Skills Podcast. My mission is to help engineers like you develop your soft skills, which are all the skills you weren't taught in engineering school. You will learn how to develop your confidence, increase your productivity, become a better problem solver, and improve your social skills in order to design a career and life that you love. Do you find that you judge yourself constantly? Are you really hard on yourself? Is it normal for you to criticize your own intelligence, appearance, personality, or accomplishments? Welcome to the Engineer Soft Skills Podcast. This is Dylan, and I'm excited to dive into this episode. <clears throat> so in this episode, I want to I'm gonna be drawing heavily on a book called On My Own Side by Aziz Gazapura. Aziz is a mentor of mine, I've read his books, gone to his seminars, been a coaching client and uh, now work part-time on his coaching team. Now, this book is amazing, and if you're interested in it, I would highly recommend checking out the book and all of of Aziz's other books and content in general. I think he's phenomenal if you're trying to raise your level of confidence. And if not, if you aren't somebody who judges yourself constantly and is hard on yourself from time to time and criticizes themselves in certain ways, well, (laughs) good for you. This episode probably isn't going to help you. You are an enlightened human being, and my advice, my advice in this podcast won't help you. But if you are somebody who feels like you could benefit from this stuff, well, this is a place for you. So first, Aziz begins with talking about the bizarre normal, where in today's society, it's become just normal and accepted for us to treat ourselves horribly. Being hard on ourselves and the idea of just looking at a picture of yourself and being like, ew, I don't, li- I don't like looking at that. Or looking in a mirror and being like, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like looking at myself in mirrors. Or for me, <laughs> listening to an, a podcast and I used to listen to these and cringe at the sound of my own voice. Is that normal? <clears throat> well, if so, that's bizarre. We think it's effective and necessary to be hard on ourselves. And that the way to succeeding, the way to doing great things, is to be really hard on ourselves until we get there. Well, there is another way, and that's what Aziz talks about in this book, On My Own Side. And I want to dive into a lot of what he says, the biggest ideas that I found, and of course it's a it's a large book, there's a lot more in there, but I want to dive into the core ideas that I found that are there to help you stop self-criticism and become happier and perform better. It's it's all good things that come from this book. So, first of all, there are a variety of ways that we attack ourselves, and I want to dive into those. It's important to understand that we can attack ourselves in ways that are both overt and subtle. So you might have really intense, overt, really obvious self-attack. That's pretty easy to notice, so that might be something like, gosh, I hate myself, like, I'm such an idiot, words like those, it's very obvious to pick up on, okay, that's obvious self-criticism, obvious self-attack, but then there are ways that we attack ourselves in more subtle forms, it's kind of the thinking man's way of criticizing ourselves, where, you know, maybe, maybe we're not directly attacking ourselves, but there's a feeling, oh, well, I can't do this thing because you know, maybe in, in two years, I'll finally be good enough for it. And we don't necessarily recognize that because it's not overt as a form of self-hate, but it is self-criticism in the sense that there's a feeling that I am not good enough now. I'm not good enough as I am. I am not okay. I'm not acceptable right now exactly as I am. Aziz talks about the top 10 ways that we criticize criticize ourselves or attack ourselves, which are To dive into them quickly, we have direct self-attack. So that's kind of the overt, direct stuff I was talking about. We have diminishing. And then you have discounting and dismissing. So in this case, discounting and dismissing, you might have achieved a certain thing, and that took a lot of hard work, and a lot of you, you did great things to achieve that. But you don't recognize that. You don't recognize all the good aspects of what that means about you and and all the positive aspects of what you did there's more a sense of yeah okay i did that thing but really anybody else could have done it or i was only able to do it because of the help from this person or a variety of other ways of not fully recognizing the the accomplishment that we had or the great traits that we have <clears throat> the next thing would be projected dislike. So this is where we can often, we don't recognize this as a form of self-hate or self-attack, but we are imagining that somebody else doesn't like us. We're imagining that somebody else is going to be critical of us. And this can feel like it's it's reality. But what it really is, it's our, it's projecting our own insecurities onto these other people. And then we're out there, we're just, we're looking for it. So we might get the slightest little look that's hard to interpret, and we'll interpret that as, oh, yep, that means they don't like me, and all the stories that I had about how they don't like me, and why, and how serious it is, those are all true. So that's projected dislike. Next we have perfectionism, so constantly striving, and constantly needing to be better, and better, and better, and nothing is ever good enough, and there's a common misconception that we believe that oh I'm not a perfectionist because I'm not perfect I don't need things to be perfect and I would ask you well do you always need things to be better do you ever once you have a a solid day of work do you reflect on it and say that was awesome I'm so I'm so happy with what I was able to accomplish or is it that wasn't good enough when it comes to your workouts are you are you satisfied with your body or is it, you know, it's not good enough yet. And, and you find that it, it never really does become good enough. <clears throat> next would be relentless busyness. So an inability to slow down and to reflect and to give ourselves breaks and to rejuvenate. Next we have should city. <laughs> so constantly feeling like I should be different. I should always or never do X. Those are, those are common ways of self, self-hate, self-attack. Those are ways that we're not accepting ourselves fully as we are. Because if I have a should, for instance, that I should always speak up in meetings, well, sometimes I won't. Sometimes I don't. And if I have that intense should and I believe that, well, that's not allowing room for me to, to fall short in certain ways. The next would be, ca- ca- this is hard to pronounce, ca- ca- catastrophe, catastrophizing. There we go, <laughs> catastrophizing. <laughs> so thinking of, you know, I used to imagine myself getting fired at work where I wouldn't be sure how to address a certain thing or maybe I made a few mistakes. And in my mind, I would catastrophize this thing and imagine as though it were this huge, impactful event it's going to, you know, mess up our company and my boss is going to fire me. That would be catastrophizing. Self-sabotage. So that would be where we do things to sabotage our own success. We, we find that we might be getting a certain level of happiness or we might be working toward a certain level of success and we're on track for that. But then we sabotage ourselves because we won't allow ourselves to feel that success or that level of happiness. And finally, critical comparisons. So looking at yourself and constantly comparing yourself to somebody who's better than you. And I find I do this, and I'll not only do, I'll not only compare myself to another person, but I'll compare myself to the best person at whatever it is I'm thinking about. So I'll not only compare myself to a good friend of mine, but if I'm, objectively better than my friend at a certain skill or aspect of life, I'm not going to compare myself to that person. I'm going to compare myself to the person who's better than me at that thing. (laughs) So it's this, it's never good enough because there's always somebody better than you at certain things. Now you have to realize, so a lot of this is speaking to what is called our inner critic. And an important thing the disease dives into is what is our inner critic? Why is it there? What is it doing? What is inner criticism there for? And inner criticism or your inner critic is an outdated protection strategy. It is trying to keep you safe and protect you from all emotional pain and discomfort. So something probably happened in your past at some point that where you did something and that caused you to to feel a lack of love or somebody got disappointed with you or there was a lack of connection. And going forward, your inner critic is there to make sure you don't experience that emotional pain again. So if you, as a kid, were punished for speaking up, your critic is going to make sure that you don't speak up in the future and it's going to do so by constantly criticizing yourself to keep you small and safe and away from potential future emotional pain. Obviously, there are considerable flaws with this strategy because there are lots of things that we know we ought to be doing, but yet our critic has serious objections to us doing them because of things that happened in the past. Now enter Omos. So On My Own Side is the title of the book, and... There are four elements of on my own side, but just think about that phrase, on my own side. What does it mean to be on my own side? When something negative happens, can you, instead of beating yourself up about it, can you be on your own side? When you did something that you know is against your own values that you wish you hadn't done, can you be on your own side? Can you say, okay, yeah, that, that is something I'm not necessarily glad that I did. But it happened, it, you know, I'm doing the best I can with what I have right now, and I commit to being on my own side about this thing. I intend to do better and differently in the future, I want to learn from this, and I'm going to be on my own side about this. So we have the four elements of Omos, which are treating yourself with kindness, respect, patience, and accountability. And another thing the disease talks about in the book is that it's important to commit, to make a decision. Instead of just taking in this concept and being like, yeah, that was a cool, cool idea, but whatever, I'm just going to go on with my life. Commit. Decide. Commit. I'm going to be on my own side no matter what. And this isn't, this is difficult. This is a, it's a skill that we must practice rather than something, you know, you just commit to once and then you're permanently on your own side, and that's where what comes into play are the levels of omos on my own side. Omos um, is the abbreviation. So the levels of almost, zero, level zero would be swimming in self-attack. We're just constantly braiding ourselves, and there's, we don't really do anything to interrupt that. Level one would be finally catching and interrupting direct self-attack. So when it is direct or overt, we start catching ourselves and saying, Whoa, that was intense. Really? You think I'm just a total idiot for doing that? And we're catching it and interrupting it. Level 2, the next level, is to catch all forms of self-undermining and return to almost. So rather than just catching the direct overt self-attack like level 1, we are now catching all forms, subtle and overt, and returning to almost, returning to saying, How can I be on my own side right now? Level three is mostly almost. So rather than just catching and interrupting these forms of self-attack or self-hatred, we are generally just on our own side. And without even needing to constantly be looking and searching for self-attack and self-criticism and negativity, we're just mostly on our own side. And then level four is permanent almost. And This one is hard to achieve, of course, this takes work you're gonna you're not constantly a level. It's not like a video game where once you beat a level, you're just past it. You might be on level two for a bit and then dip into level one and then develop your capacity and become in level three for a while and then maybe you have a f- just phenomenal day for whatever reason maybe you're you're really you've developed your self care practices you've really been working on this stuff for a while. And then you find a day, you have a day where you're just full-on level four. And wouldn't that be awesome? Okay. So how do we start to do this? How do we start to become better at this? The first thing that comes to mind for me is, from the book, Taming Your Critic. So this is all about how to talk to your critic and work with it rather than just suppressing it. So we can... Often, like, we notice these things, we notice this self-criticism is coming up, and there's a desire to either just stuff it down and ignore it, or we hear it coming up, but we just tell it, no, you're wrong, that's ridiculous, whatever, stop saying what you're saying, and it's sort of another form of suppressing it, but you're, you're having a dialogue with it, but it's not, you're not hearing it out, you're not actually working with it so much as you're just rejecting everything that it has to say instead a much more optimal way of working with your critic is instead to say oh yeah let me hear you out let me hear what you have to say um and be a great way to think about this is to treat it like a an angry 6-year-old who is just kind of tantruming and you're there you're with him or her and you want to hear him out and whatever you have to say is is totally fine with me. Um, and I'm going to ask questions and be curious. And as I ask questions, what you often find is that the more you just ask these empathetic, curious questions, there's not much really behind your critic's certainty that you're not good enough. So dealing with your critic in that way there's what's called an inner critic dialogue, and I believe this is a great journaling exercise where you write out what the inner critic says, and then you respond to it just with curious, empathetic questioning. And then you respond as the inner critic, and then you again respond as your core self with just curious, empathetic questioning. And you repeat that process until often you find that, that it gets to a place where the inner critic is just like, it's run out of gas it's 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 said what it has to say it feels heard it you know it's it's shown how scared it is and you're there for it that's what we're looking to get out of the inner critic exercise as well as seeing how irrational the inner critic can be the next big concept that i took from on my own side is the concept of unconditional self-worth. So often we have aspects of life, we have things that we tie our self-worth to. So in order to be worthy of love, in order to be just to have that self-worth, we can feel that we need to be productive, or we need to be impressive, or we need to be fit, or we need to be wealthy. And when we fall short of being those things that we feel we need to be, when we have an unproductive day, or when we come across as unimpressive, or when we we look in the mirror and we think we're not looking so fit, we deny ourselves of this self-love. We deny ourselves of worthiness. And it can feel, again, like, We have to do this in order to get to the place we want to be. If I want to be productive, I have to beat myself up. I have to attack myself a bit, use that whip in order to get myself to be productive. What if you were to just give yourself the self-love first? What if you were to give yourself full, unconditional self-worth and allow yourself to feel 100% worthy of love right now, exactly as you are? Well does that help? And the case that Aziz makes in On My Own Side, and I think I've totally found this to be true, and I imagine you will as well, but it's obviously up to you as a listener. If you do just feel great as is, it's not like you'll suddenly have the desire to do absolutely nothing and just be like, well, I feel great. I've given myself all this self-love, so now I'll just eat nachos on my couch watching netflix and and do nothing ever maybe there'll be a little bit of that but you'll also feel inspired to work on to work on projects you'll feel um happy and excited going into your work you know there will still be when you are in a place of 100% self-worth and self-love you'll still recognize like i can't just get fired tomorrow that probably wouldn't be optimal for for my lifestyle but I feel phenomenal either way I'm okay no matter what and I think that it is a it's a difficult place to get to it can be a mindset that's it takes work to start feeling this fully but once you feel more and more on your own side that's just it's huge Finally I want to talk about the art of relaxed discipline. And I loved this. I think often certain authors will when they talk about discipline, it's from this place of you have to grind. You're not gonna feel good, but you gotta do it anyway. You're you know, it's gonna be painful, it's gonna be difficult, but you just gotta you gotta do it. You gotta get it done. David Goggins, right? If you if you read David Goggins book, it's just like push through any amount of pain. Well, the art of relaxed discipline that Aziz talks about here, it's not necessarily about always feeling good, but it's about discipline through a much more relaxed, positive, self-loving stance rather than this this grit my teeth and get it done no matter what sort sort of fuel. So He talks about what is dirty fuel versus clean fuel. So you can fuel yourself. You can motivate yourself. You can try to inspire action in yourself by having dirty fuel. And examples of that might be self-attack. So beating yourself up until you get yourself to do the thing that you ought to be doing. It can be fear. So often we have maybe a fear of failure, and that is driving us to, to work hard it can be self-hatred it can be hustling to prove your worth like i'm not worthy yet but once i get to that level then i'll feel worthy and that strategy rarely works for us um we just move the move the field goal posts once once we finally hit the field goal so more clean fuel on the other hand would be Doing work out of interest, like I'm interested in this, I'm fascinated by it. Doing work out of inspiration, I'm inspired to do great work here. Doing work from a place of fun. Doing it from a place of purpose. I just feel it is it is a worthy purpose to to sit down and do this work, or to do this workout, or to do this morning routine. To have a great why statement, I think is another huge one. And finally, to do things from love to I want to have a great relationship with my coworkers and I want to collaborate really well because I just love working with these guys. So the art of relaxed discipline. How are you when it comes to discipline? Are you, when it comes to doing the tasks you know you ought to be doing, do you do them in a relaxed way? Or is it more in a... Mm, this is gonna i don't want to be doing this right now. This is going to be difficult, but i 'm gonna do it anyway and i 'm not saying you you 'll get to a place necessarily where you just always feel good doing the things that you know you ought to be doing completing tasks and doing work projects and working out and you know morning routine or whatever the case might be these these tasks that require a form of discipline but You can use fuel that is much more coming from just this relaxed, positive, I feel good, I'm doing this from a place of purpose way. Another concept that Aziz talks about is rather than having full-on perfectionistic standards, I get this done no matter what, always, and if I don't, I'm mad at myself. Having rules and guidelines, but having some leniency as well. He talks about Taoism and how there's duality or there's there's a desire to flow between being too rigid and being too open-ended, being too um, flowy. <laughs> so determining what the right action is. Are you, it's time to work out, but you're absolutely exhausted and sore? Well, maybe the most on-my-own-side decision in that moment is to relax and take a break and not work out that day, but do some stretching or do some things that feel really good or ignore your body altogether. <laughs> um, and then return to the practice once you feel it's time to. So that is the art of relaxed discipline. And that is the summary of my the biggest takeaways that I had from reading Aziz's book, On My Own Side. If you find you're a very self-critical person, I couldn't recommend this book more. It's fantastic at diving into how we can feel more and more positive, how can we how we can be more on our own sides and how we can begin to see into the the self-attack that we can have on ourselves and begin to work with it and and get to a place of just feeling genuine love for ourselves. So that is today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. What is an action that you could take away from this? What is one thing that you find you could put into your life? What is, what's an exercise that you could start doing? What's, what's a mindset shift that you want to take on? Is it that you want to take on the Art of Relaxed Discipline stuff and start facing difficult tasks or, or things that require discipline for more of a clean fuel rather than dirty fuel perspective. Is it looking at your self-worth and saying, okay, I I recognize that I've tied my self-worth to career success or to my relationship, and beginning to detach those ties and say I'm worthy of love right now no matter what, and I still want to do well at that thing, but whether I do well or not does not affect my self-worth. Taming your critic, so working optimally with your critic and having a conversation with it and being empathetic and asking questions rather than just stuffing it down. And then looking at the overt versus subtle in the 10 forms of self-attack. Awesome. Again, let's take action on this thing. Let's decide, okay, what's one thing that I want to install today? What's one exercise that I want to do? And do it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You're awesome. Have an excellent day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Engineer Soft Skills Podcast. If you're interested in more, you can go to engineersoftskills.com to check out more videos, podcasts, articles, and to download a free PDF called The Ultimate Guide to Soft Skills. This is a 25-page ebook covering the best of what I've learned on how to level up your soft skills in order to develop a career and life that you love. Thank you for listening.